Welcome to the Posture, Strength, and Mobility Podcast. I'm Isaac Osborne, and I'm here to share with you tips, tricks, hacks, interesting musings, and much more in short, digestible episodes. To learn more about how you can improve your posture, strength, and mobility, check out the show notes for links. Onward with the show. Welcome to episode 12, the pros and cons of muscle memory. In this episode, we will define muscle memory and how it's beneficial and detrimental. I will give you some tips on how to start changing this throughout your everyday living for those detrimental movements and how to identify them. Okay, jumping right in. What is muscle memory? It's one of my favorite topics, so I'm so excited to share this with you today. Muscle memory is a form, and this is from Wikipedia, muscle memory is a form of procedural memory that involves consolidating a specific motor task into memory through repetition, which has been used synonymously with motor learning. When a movement is repeated over time, a long-term muscle memory is created for that task, eventually allowing it to be performed with little to no conscious effort. This process decreases the need for attention and creates maximum efficiency within the motor and memory systems. Muscle memory is found in many everyday activities that become automatic and improve with practice, such as riding bicycles, driving motor vehicles, playing ball sports, typing on keyboards, entering pins, playing musical instruments, poker, martial arts, and dancing. The list goes on and on. So with that definition, what it's missing is how you first started moving, how you learned to crawl and walk. Have you ever thought that maybe you might not have got it completely right? Something to think about. Let's come back to this. All right, so first of all, how is muscle memory created? We know that through that definition, when a movement is repeated over time, a long-term muscle memory is created for that task, eventually allowing it to become performed with little to no conscious effort. This happens through the formation of synaptic connections in your brain. So for a second, let's imagine uh, synaptic connections as trails through the woods. At first, when you're walking through the, the woods, say there's no trail, and you want to get to whatever destination that you're going to, you have to break that trail. You have to create that trail to get to that destination. So at first, this is very slow going, right? This is like when you're riding, learning how to ride a bike. You're very, very slow going. You got to be careful. You know, there might be potholes, there might be, you know, sticks, there might be rattlesnakes, there might be whatever these dangers are as you're breaking this trail. And day and day and day and day on, you keep coming back to that same trail that you broke. And over time, that trail gets more, that, that trail, the trail gets more worn. And with that more worn trail, you can travel that trail much easier. So this is the same with a movement pattern. And when you do a certain movement, you learn a certain movement and you repeat that certain movement, the brain starts recording that. And as you repeat it 10,000 times, it said, I don't know the exact, if that's exactly accurate or not, but I think that it's pretty close. 10,000 times, I think there's some other data on it, but just just say that 10,000 times you repeat that over and over and over. I think it's probably less because that sounds kind of crazy. Um, 
but you repeat it over and over and over again, and then it becomes the synaptic connections in your brain, they become more wired, they become stronger, they become these like super highways for your brain to communicate that movement. Now, why is this beneficial to your body? The main thing is the conservation of energy. Energy is, let's just say glucose for a second, you eat some food, you get energy from that food. And when there's conservation of energy, then your body is going to, or, or I should say, your body is always trying to conserve energy because that's what you survive on. That's the main thing that it does. Breathing and conservation of energy are the number one things that we do every single day. So the less energy expenditure that you can do, the better, right? Well, learning and movement are actually two of the most expensive, if you will, if it's a commodity, right? Energy is a commodity. It's two of the most expensive things that we can do. This is why you can get so tired from learning a new task is because your brain is working overtime, it's working really hard to learn that task. And while you're learning that task, it's, it's utilizing energy to create these synaptic connections. So in a sense, these synaptic connections are the most expensive things that we can create in our bodies. So the less energy expenditure we have, the better potential we have for efficient movement. So if we're doing this movement, we're, we're developing strength in it, we're developing coordination in this movement, then once we have more coordination and movement, just like if you take a car and you drive it on the freeway at 55, 65 miles an hour, you use less gas than you do when you're driving around town because it's stop and go, stop and go. Because you're, you've reached a certain velocity and at that velocity, you're able to maintain that speed and use less fuel to do that. So it's the same thing. The more you repeat a movement, the less you have to learn it because it becomes subconscious, the less energy you have to spend on said movement. So that's how it's beneficial to the body. It becomes automatic. And it, you know, if we didn't do this, could you imagine for a second, like you have to learn how to walk every single day? we wouldn't survive as a species and most animals wouldn't be around. So how is it detrimental? So movement patterns can become detrimental. And the reason for this is that movement patterns that are repeated over and over and over again can become dominant. And once something is dominant in the body, that means it's a default. It's hard for people to see, it's hard for people to identify how they're moving incorrectly. And this movement pattern becomes stressful to the system. And here's an example. For those of you listening, I'm standing up. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to step forward and pretend to pick something up off the ground. And now I'm kind of squatting down. My right leg is in front of my, my left leg and I'm squatting down and I'm pretending to pick up something with my right hand. If I did that a hundred times in a day and then only did the opposite movement two times a day or even three, five, ten times a day, that movement pattern becomes dominant with my right hand forward and my right leg forward. 
And when we do that movement over and over and over and over again, that dominant patterning creates coordination of muscles throughout the entire system. So I'm using every muscle in my body to squat down and grab something. Muscles are coordinating from my feet to the top of my head to allow me to do that movement. It's positioning my joints in space in certain rotations, in certain flexions, in certain extensions, and so forth. So it's placing all these joints. And so if you repeat that over and over again, right, then that becomes the dominant patterning of the body. So this muscle patterning of how you perform a certain movement. So we think about this muscle patterning, and it forms these movement patterns. So this might be an entirely new way for you to think about, air quotes here, getting in shape, quote, 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 getting in shape. You literally shape your body. You shape it with your movement patterns. And I can prove this to you right now. If you're not driving, follow these instructions. Cross your arms, just like you, you would if you're standing and talking to somebody and maybe you're defensive or something. You just cross your arms or you're bored or you're not believing what somebody's saying. So now look down at your arms and I'm looking down at my arms and I have my left arm over my right arm. My, my right hand is peeking through the, the uh, inside of my elbow of my left arm and my left hand is tucked away uh, uh, behind the uh, elbow of my right arm. Now reverse it. So if you reverse it, now look down at your arms. A lot of people take their arms away and they come back and they do this. And they look down and in this case, if I use my example, my left arm is still over my right arm. Now is this something that you did? Did you actually reverse your arms? Now, if you did, don't worry, most people do this. Most people, I'll say this to people, they'll cross, in this case, the left arm over the right, and then they cross the right arm over the left. Even if you got it right the first time, think how unnatural that feels. Think how it feels weird on your arms to have your arms in this position, where in this case, my right arm is over my left now. And the reason why this is, is muscles basically create the shapes of our bodies, right? Muscle moves bone, nothing else does. And that shape, they're housed by connective tissue and connective tissue for, like connective tissue essentially fills empty spaces and it houses muscles and it does all this amazing stuff. So when you do an opposite movement pattern and it feels weird, it's because your shape is formed by those movement patterns. Hopefully you're still following me on this. Okay, so with that in mind of our body is creating its shape through its movement patterns, I wanna take you back to that question that I asked you. Have you ever thought that maybe, that maybe you might have not got it completely right when you learned how to walk? Did you learn how to walk in a way that wasn't efficient? It's quite possible you did. 
absolutely possible because of the environment that you're around and we typically copy movement patterns from our elders. And it doesn't have to be mom or dad, it could be grandpa, it could be you know mom and dad's best friend, it could be a sibling. And we typically take movement patterns from people and go, oh, well, uh, I'm gonna copy that portion of it and I'm gonna copy this portion of it and we put our own unique little twist on it, so to speak. Sometimes people move exactly the same as their parents or exactly the same as their brother. My brother and I, there's a story, my brother and I were hanging out with a couple friends and I leaned back and I leaned over this railing and, and cracked my back. And one of my brother's friends who I hadn't hung out with before goes, oh my God, he does it too. And it's the exact same movement pattern that my brother does to crack his back. So it's interesting in that way, like my brother and I have this, you know, this, this movement pattern that we share. And we also have movement patterns that we don't share. So these movement patterns can come from many different places, how you pick them up, who you copy, that sort of thing as a young child. Now it doesn't mean that you're moving efficiently, efficiently though. Just because we repeat something over and over again, especially if we haven't done it correctly, that movement pattern can cause shearing on joints, it can cause compression on joints, it can cause uneven wear and tear on joints. It'd be like, you know, driving a car with the wheels out of alignment, like the wheels always turn to the right, that is going to have a detrimental effect on the entire car. It's going to have, it's going to, it's going to have issues with the CV joints. It's going to have issues with the transmission. It's going to put strain on the engine. And then eventually, it's going to stress the entire frame of the car. Unless that car was actually built for that. Like a NASCAR is it built, I think it's, uh, yeah, they're always like going uh, to the left, right, in a, in a circle. So it's actually built more for turning to the left than it is turning to the right because of the angle of the track and so forth. Now, these movement patterns, right, every single day that you're doing these movement patterns, you're creating them. And this has a lot to do with why, quote unquote, people get shorter with age, is because as they do these movement patterns, right, these muscles become more dominant, just like I was explaining about how I grab something with my right hand, if I'm tw always twisting that direction, it's asymmetrical, right? So if, if I'm always in a flexed position, my upper body is flexed or my back is rounded, over time, what happens is the body has a rule of use it or lose it. And over time, what happens is you shrink, right? This is why old people get shorter is because these movement patterns become so dominant, they can't even perceive that they're not doing movements that oppose those movements. So your everyday movement patterns, like think about it, there's a lot of people that don't even raise their arm over their head throughout the entire day. When's the last time, think about this for yourself, when's the last time you raised your arm over your head. And how many times in a day have you raised your arm over your head? The answer for most people is a couple times a day. Whereas if we were hunting and gathering, right, there'd be multiple hundreds of times you'd raise your arm over your head. You know, throwing a spear, throw, you know, climbing a tree, reaching up at, in a tree, grabbing some fruit. I mean, there's so many, so many ways we would be doing this if we were in our natural environment. Now, let's 
Recap for a second. Movement over and over creates muscle memory. If said movement is asymmetrical, it has the potential to create uneven wear and tear on the body. So this brings up what can you do about it? First, the very first thing is just observe. Try to observe your movement patterns. <laughs> because the reason why I say this, you typically have to be aware of something to be able to change something. something. Because they can be really, really hard to see. So once you catch one of these movement patterns, try to do the opposing movement throughout the day if you can. So examples of this are little things. It's the little things that actually matter the most, like brushing your teeth. Do you brush your teeth with your right hand or your left hand? Try using the opposite hand. Again, see how weird this feels for you. It's super awkward because your entire body, if you ever notice that people actually kind of shake and, and twist their body, but they do it the left and that shake and twist, it's really stiff. Right? It can't have it. You got, you got to actually start rotating and shaking your body in the opposite direction right? as you brush with the left side like you do with the right side. One of the things that I do is I'll, I'll tend to shave more with my left. So what I'll do is I'll shave one side with my left and I'll shave the other side with my right. Or you can shave the left side with your right and the right side with your left. There's so many different combinations that you can do to shake it up because this is really, really good for your brain. The hand, you clean yourself after going to the bathroom. This can be one that is a little tricky. I've had many clients that have, who are right-handed that have broken their arm, their right arm or their right hand or their wrist and all of a sudden discovered, wow, it's really hard to wipe with my left. <laughs> So th just that movement over and over again, and maybe you, maybe you only do it once, twice, some people three times a day, but doing that for years on end, reaching behind only with the right creates a twist in the upper body. So play with this. Like do yourself a favor. Try wiping with the other hand. How you cross your arms. That's one you can play with all day long. The side of the bed that you sleep on. Oh man, this is going to be a hard one for a lot of people. I know that uh, this, is, this is something that is, in my household, can be a little bit tricky to, to be a subject to bring up because we just kind of like set up camp on our sides of the bed and don't ever really want to shift that. Or our bodies feel uncomfortable when we lay on one side. Start laying on the other side. See if it can help. How you put your shoes on. Do you always put the right shoe on before the left shoe or the left shoe on before the right? Switch it up. And you'll notice that you really have to pay attention. You really have to pay attention to the movement. And, and think about these movements. Think how they're impacting your life. And mainly why I'm getting to this, this point is because when you train or when you exercise or you do yoga, you do movement, whatever movement stuff that you're doing, slow them down. Look for the idiosyncrasies in your movement and ask yourself, is this different on this side? Does it feel different? Try to get, try to really go internally and try to feel those movements and experiment with those movements. 
because this is a very freeing thing to do and explore in your body. If you're not sure about it, ask a friend or a loved one or your coach or your trainer or video yourself, do it in front of a mirror, try to identify these movements specifically, and I'm talking specifically about exercise and training because there's no better way to really identify how the movement is affecting you or how, you, how inaccurate you are in that movement than filming it, really, because then you can review it. Uh, so, you know, I take photos and have videos of people of doing certain movements, and that's how we discover idiosyncrasies in their movement is by filming that movement. So filming is probably the best one because then you can review it yourself, look at that movement, you know, consult a friend, consult a trainer, that sort of thing of how to do the movement properly. And of course, I have movement classes that kind of challenge these types of movement, everyday movements that are done. And uh, well, the classes, I'm not, we're not brushing our teeth in the classes, but a lot of the exercises that I go through in these movement classes are exercises that challenge people that don't normally do these movements. So this is something to really think about and it has so much power, it has so much power in it if you really start thinking about it. And it can be scary. It can be really scary how much power is in it because it, it, it forces you to think of how much responsibility you have in taking care of your body and taking care of movement and being adaptive in your movement and being able to have full range of motion in things. Because when you repeat those, those, those movements over and over, over and over and over again, they can, like I said earlier, they can become dominant. And sometimes those dominant movements become stressful to the system and put unnecessary shearing, compression, those things on your joints. That's why they call it repetitive stress syndrome. For instance, carpal tunnel syndrome and thoracic outlet syndrome these are all repetitive stress syndromes and movements. People have gotten there by doing movements over and over and over again that have created stress on the system. So the body doesn't know the way out. The only way you can get out is with opposing movement patterns. And why people get so frustrated with it is because it takes time and consistency to change muscle, memory, and movement patterns. Okay, so that's the episode for today. I hope you like it. Get out there, challenge yourself with your movement patterns, and stay curious. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a positive review so others may find it and get help too. Check out the show notes for links on how to win a mini integrator massage gun, posture strength and mobility classes that focus on corrective exercises, or self-myofascial release protocols for neck pain, back pain, knee pain, plantar fasciitis, and much more with my massage gun, The Integrator. Until next time, keep exploring your body and stay curious.